Hello and welcome to It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I recruit you to help me with my fiancé's musical education. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew and today we are saying welcome to Ellie from Les Hangout Podcast and the Flame Musical Podcast. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. Like you said, I am Ellie from Les Hangout, co-host of Les Hangout and co-creator and star of The Flame, the musical. And I'm so excited to talk about my favorite musical today. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to talk about your favorite musical because it's one that in a weird reversal of roles i think i like this one more than drew does you definitely do and i think i need your help huge in (laughs) convincing drew as to why this musical is so amazing yes oh i can sell it don't worry (laughs) (laughs) so what is the musical that we're going to be talking about today yes so we're going to be talking about les mis today my favorite musical I love this. I love it so much. It was the first musical I ever saw. So I have like a fondness for this one. I did not know that. When did you see it? How old were you when you saw it? I was 12. Yeah, they always stick with you. They do. I think the first, actually, the first musical I ever saw was Annie Get Your Gun and I Fell Asleep. So I feel like (laughs) that one is not, (laughs) but. But I think the first musical I actually saw live was Rent, which oh, is wow. like also one of my favorite musicals. But Les Mis has a pretty, a pretty big spot in my heart. Um, I was first, I first saw Les Mis in Maine. Like I, I'm from Boston and there's like a really good playhouse. It's called a Gunkwit Playhouse in Maine. And I went to see Les Mis there and I saw Andrea McArdle in it. Do you know who Andrea McArdle is? I think so. So Andrea McArdle originated the role of Annie on Broadway. Oh, she cool. was like yeah. the first little orphan Annie. Yeah. Um, and I saw her as Fontaine in Les Mis. Oh, cool. So it was obviously many years later <laughs> that she played Fontaine. Um, but I saw it and I bawled my eyes out. I love to cry. So I think that's also why I really love this musical. Um, and then also I fell in love with all of the YouTube videos of Leia Salonga. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she played Eponine in the 10th anniversary and Fontaine in the 25th anniversary concert. And so that. I just would watch those videos on repeat and I love it. It's one of the best things about YouTube for us is when you get like the behind the scenes action from the theater so like we've watched quite a few of them there's school of rock there's been some cats other and... broadway backstage <laughs> yeah. ones yeah and it's just so nice to kind of see like a different world completely it just makes it so much more accessible and like real there's so many yes. students that i teach that can't even comprehend you know what it is to be in the theater they think there is just like the acting and there's so much more to it i think you know those video diaries uh just just so powerful wait this is so interesting i just googled andrea mccardell she played fontaine and then played eponine afterwards that is a very yeah very interesting linear uh <laughs> progression yeah wild <laughs> i suppose they're probably the same age yeah characters interesting yeah i guess they are right because obviously we're doing like a flashback to fontaine but yeah. Fontaine's probably the same age as the flash forward Eponine. Maybe a little older. Interesting. Like crazy. I love stuff like that. It's always interesting and weird. So how old were you when you first saw Les Mis live then? 
I think I was in high school, maybe 15 or 16 when I saw Les Mis uh, live. And I'm pretty sure immediately after I saw it live, um, I was in a children's theater since I was like eight years old, the same theater group I was in from like eight to 18. (laughs) So I had a pretty close relationship with the woman who who ran it. And so the second I saw it, I got all of the like the rest of my friends who were in that theater group to just like come together and basically like force our our teacher to let us do Les Mis. Oh, wow. So I saw it and was like, we're going to do this show. And we did. That's so cool. So it's so pretty cool. It's de- so it's one you've actually been in as well. Yes. I have been in Les Mis twice in the same year. <laughs> I was I had like this is why I'm like when people are like what's your favorite musical and I'm like I do love Rent but Les Mis has like I had a Les Mis like year or two yeah. where it was just like Les Mis all day every day so it has a very big place in my heart yeah I, I had the same thing so I I saw it for the first time we went on a school trip and it was uh we went into London we went to see it in the West End and I remember bawling my eyes out at the end of mm-hmm. it and just being like this was amazing I didn't know you could feel this way from a piece of theatre what has this done to me and I remember going home and telling my mum how much I loved it and she'd seen it twice at this point and she showed me all the old programs she got me the cd for my birthday she got me a dvd of the anniversary one of the anniversary of the 10th, shows yeah. And I just remember every opportunity I had was putting that CD on and listening to it. I remember uh, we were all playing Animal Crossing, me, my mum, my two younger brothers. <laughs> what a throwback. Listening to it. And Master, uh, Master of the House came on. And my two younger brothers were dancing around and fell and broke my bed dancing to oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> But it's just the power of lame is, I think. Like, there's something for everyone in this show. And, you know, I've never performed in it, but there's just something about it. I think everyone has a memory attached to this show. If you're a fan of musical theatre, if you're not, you know this one. Mm-hmm. So who did oh, you yeah. get to play in Les Mis? So the first time I was in Les Mis, I played Eponine, which was the dream like I literally was like I want to be in this show so I can play Eponine um and it was amazing I just I know like any like <laughs> any girl of a certain age who's like a belter loves Eponine like it's yeah. just like the unrequited love the like way that you can just like give everything and on my own I feel like on my own is like overdone but overdone for a reason yes Right. It's like there's something about that song that just like hits you so hard and and is so satisfying to sing. Like I couldn't tell you the musical reason why it's that satisfying, but it just is. (laughs) Yeah. It it just builds to a nice point of like everybody's just sat there just waiting for the end of this song. But in a in a because it's so satisfying, right? Not a like, oh, hurry up and be over. Yeah, get, get it over with. <laughs> I I love that. It is one that I will just sing and I will belt randomly as well. Like, it's just such mm-hmm. a phenomenal song. I think it's a highlight. And it's such a shame because it's obviously such a powerful 
heartbreaking song, but it is just phenomenal. And and this so is in good. a show filled with phenomenal songs. Yeah. It's so good. So I got to play Eponine, which is amazing. I'm also cracking up as you're talking about the power of Les Mis and breaking things. So <laughs> <laughs> I played Eponine in Les Mis, and this is me, like, 17-year-old Ellie. I was a very dramatic theater kid. <laughs> I was so into this role. Like, I was talking to my mom, and I was like, my death scene like you're gonna love it I've been like working I've been getting like so deep into it like what's sev- like I'm 17 like you're not that great of an actress like it's okay but <laughs> I thought it was like my moment yeah so I'm telling my mom like you're gonna ball your eyes out on my death scene like I can't wait we get to the death scene and so this is like right before a little fall of rain right and it's like there's a boy climbing the barricade and i start climbing over the barricade and like i said this is a children's theater um very low budget production so the barricade is like a bunch of wooden boxes but also a bunch of cardboard boxes um and so and so i'm climbing over the barricade Uh, the very well-constructed barricade. Uh, And I stepped right on top of a cardboard box and I fell straight through like the most dramatic fall you could ever have on stage. I'm like inside of a cardboard box. Everyone on stage picks me up, like lifts me out of the box. And then I have to sing Little Fall of Rain. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So it's hilarious, but I bet you were (laughs) dying on stage. I was crying, laughing. Like, I also, like, me and uh, the guy who was playing Marius, like, we're good friends in real life, too, right? So we're just, like, cracking up. Like, we're (laughs) holding each other and just laughing that, like, this had happened. Like, this really happened. And it was very obvious like there was no masking it like we laughed through the entire song i'm dead on stage like still laughing you know like eponine's body's on stage and it's just like shaking like it was so bad (laughs) it is just at the moment your worst nightmare at least you could laugh it off in that moment it wasn't you know the worst thing that ever happened and it ruined the show that you still got to enjoy that moment even if maybe didn't make people cry from sorrow they were crying with laughter you still yes experience (laughs) there are so many i've seen so many eponine stories about getting either stuck in or on the barricade when you're supposed to be climbing over it like logistical nightmare (laughs) (laughs) trying to climb over that thing in like the long coat as well like that's always exactly like there's yeah it is that's a recipe for disaster like why are they doing this to us <laughs> so the first time you got to play Eponine who did you play the second time okay yeah so this is also like so out of left field so I played Eponine and then uh, g- give a guess how about just guess who I played the second time uh give rush <laughs> I would love love that great guess great guess <laughs> anyone else oh I, I mean, the, the trajectory is like Eponine, Fontaine, Madame Thenardier, right? <laughs> but I guess... Yes. Did you play Madame Thenardier? I played Madame Thenardier. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Nice. You played your own mom. Excellent. I played my own mother in the same year as well. So like (laughs) same age. I mean, it's because of course I'm doing these all in like high school productions, right? Nobody in our high school productions is old enough to play Madame Thenardier anyways. But yeah, I went from Eponine to Madame Thenardier and I loved them both for obviously very different reasons. Yeah. Um, I was not anticipating being cast as Madame Thenardier. Like when I auditioned for the second time for the show, like it was not a role that I was like gunning for. Did you think you were going to get Eponine again? Yeah, I did because I was an (laughs) asshole theater kid. (laughs) I was like, I've got this in the bag. I already know it. (laughs) And then I got Madame Thenardier. And I actually was really happy to, though, because I was like, this will be so ridiculous and it was it's quite ridiculous um like they teased my hair out every night for the show and I have very sensitive scalp and so I also would just like cry <laughs> I cry in the in the dressing room before every show and everyone would come over and be like are you okay I'm like it's fine this happens every time I like get a haircut like I just expect this to happen but you I had a blast to your art yeah you have to Right. I guess that's probably why I'm like, when I'm, why do I love Les Mis? I'm like, it's literally pure suffering. <laughs> I'm like, love it. I love it so much. Yeah. But I had a blast. I loved playing Madame Thenardier too. Uh, just very, very different. What was the experience like in terms of doing the, you know, the show with these sort of theatre groups? Was there a lot cut? Was there a lot that you found? When you when you performed it, you had to make those cuts because obviously the nature of Les Mis is you are singing throughout and that's incredibly demanding anyway mm-hmm. at, at a professional level. And it's but, a long show. Yeah. Did, were it there is many so cuts? Long. Um, yeah, I think we did Les Mis Junior. I would have I would like have to figure out what we cut. I can think about like things that we should have cut that we didn't. <laughs> like we still did lovely ladies. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was gonna say because like the junior versions of things are really famous for yeah. cutting weird stuff. Like Annie Jr. cuts Miss Hannigan drinking. Yeah. So she's yeah, just, just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like you would think I mean, with Lamus Jr. Cool. No, but it's like, yeah, you can't. But to be fair, like, how do you cut that out of the show? And that's like a huge plot point, right? Yeah. But just have Fontaine just dies. <laughs> she just, yeah, dies. like, we don't know why. We don't know how she contracted any of these diseases. She dies of a broken heart. Yeah. It is weird, though. Could you imagine? That's, that's the thing for me is that I'm thinking is you've obviously got some child going home after auditioning for Lay Mears and going home, mum and dad saying, and who did you get? And they have to turn and say, well, I was cast as prostitute one. Yes. <laughs> lady number two. You know, yeah. like, do you just call them lovely lady or yeah, there's a logistical I think they were just there. called like the ladies or something. Yeah. <laughs> have you but seen, there's a great thing uh, on, I think it was on YouTube or TikTok. I don't know. Those two things are interchangeable in my brain at the moment. But it's like inappropriate audition songs that kids do for shows and like lovely ladies is on there just because it's got a really easy tune to sing to and <laughs> god oh my god also like if you're a kid like why don't you just sing castle on a cloud like why are you gonna sing lovely ladies like you could sing right. a song from les mis because theater kids you can't go for the obvious song 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to go for the deep cut. <laughs> They're literally singing, like, the confrontation way. or something. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> the entire thing. Both roles, yeah. That's exactly what I do whenever I sing. And I get to that point where I've got to make a choice. Just choose who you're going to be. And I'm thinking, who am I going to be today? Am I going to be Javert? Or am I going to be Valjean? And I find it, like, interchangeable halfway through. I'll do, every other line. Yeah, every other line. But it is. It's, it is a theatre kid show, I think, this one. That, like, it really is. You can just sing any part of it, and oh, I love this one. So, you saw it live. You were in it live. Was there a big gap in between your experience of Les Mis and the film, or had you a chance to? Do, you know, would you watch the the anniversary shows? Yes. Yeah, so, I was in it very like definitely a long time before the movie came out um I was excited for the movie to come out and then I think disappointed by the movie thank you I think (laughs) as as I don't know I'm like maybe we're just are like as theater kids like do we ever love a movie adaptation but I do think like I actually really like the movie adaptation of Rent I really like Dreamgirls there's a bunch of movie adaptations I like Chicago I think is even better than the stage musical um Mm -hmm. I really love Samantha Barks who played Eponine yeah Um, fantastic yeah if you've seen like I think she was in the 25th anniversary right Yeah, yeah she was Yeah, so when I saw her in the 25th anniversary, I was like, this is, like, one of the best Eponines I've ever seen. Like, she just – she's so emotional with it and, like, feels connected and real. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the movie didn't do her justice. That sort of – like, I I saw her in the movie and I was like, it wasn't as good as when I saw her do it live. I don't know why that was. It just – so I have watched – I actively dislike the movie. (laughs) I can talk about it for a really long time, but I'm not going to. Do it. This but... is the moment. <laughs> My only moment that I'll get to talk about this. But I think if you if you got to play Eponine in the, the theatre, you, you know, theatres are warm-ish. You get to wear the big coat. You're kind of warm the whole time. And you've got all the stage lights on you and everything. She was wet for that whole movie. Like, <laughs> just... Everybody in that film looked like they had been dipped in a lake first. <laughs> and then so true. She must have been absolutely freezing cold because they also, she spent a lot of the film not wearing the coat, which was a choice. And mm-hmm. considering that's like, you know, the, the look, the Eponine look is the big coat and the hat. And they decided they didn't want that for the film. And so she must have been freezing. Everybody else is wearing like eight layers of clothes. Yeah. Except for her. So Yeah, they did not do her any favors there. No. And the uh, she was I mean, the best singer, but live singing on a film set is just not the same. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're gonna make a movie adaptation of Les Mis and take away the coat, first of all. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm crying at them being dipped in water because I haven't seen the movie since it came out. Like, I saw it once, and I was like, eh, I don't like this. I'll never watch it again. Um, And I'm just looking back being like, wow, they were soaking wet. They literally were. Even Anne Hathaway, like, when she was getting her hair cut, she already looked like she was, like, she'd been in the rain. And it never rains in the movie. But (laughs) Samantha Fox's hair is wet the whole time. Yeah. 
The only person who doesn't have wet hair is Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Also, like, in terms of the rest of the casting, I mean, Javert is, like, the worst, like, the most egregious one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Russell Crowe. Javert is my favorite character in Les Mis. Just because I really like a villain who is so committed to what they're doing and that he truly believes that what he's doing is right. And I think that's such an interesting, like, arc that you have to under, un, undertake to be Javert. And the issue, he's just also a really hard role to sing. Yeah. So. And this is <laughs> yes. it. Is they just, for me, I like the film, but... I can't defend Russell Crowe singing and, you know, Javert in the film because it, it isn't, it, it's so noticeable compared to everyone else. Mm. It is wild how much worse he is because you're right. Like Javert is like, you want like a powerhouse vocalist and you yeah. literally threw like maybe a two vocalist on like a 10 roll. Yeah. And it's just like, how did you even think this was a good choice mm -hmm. everyone else could sing in the show but that that was yeah because i think yes vocally it's not the same as well, you know a stage production but vocally everyone else is is okay you know well basically everybody else is is theater trained right yeah like hugh jackman anne hathaway amanda seafried and samantha box and then, like, you've got Aaron Tebbit, who, <laughs> why is he in this? Yeah. But are you not an Aaron Tebbit fan? Uh, mm. <laughs> 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 no next to normal? I just, uh, some of the, if you look at the, like, training levels of different people in this film for musical theatre, there's, like, seven different tiers. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Yes. It makes it kind of crazy. No sense. All, the, all across the board makes no sense. Yeah, I almost, I forgot Aaron Tveit was even in this. What role does he play even? Angela? Uh, yeah, Angela's. I have no idea if you pronounce, how I pronounce that. But like. I don't know how to pronounce it either. I've like literally tried so many different ways. I'm like, I don't know, Angela's. Who knows? But it was just, it was all over the place. I'm also really not an Amanda Seyfried fan. <laughs> I don't know why they keep casting her in movie musicals. Like, I just don't like her voice at all. Was the same thing as just... like Hugh Jackman, where it's like they really want to be here. <laughs> That's why they're here. Yeah, they really wanted yes. to do a movie musical this year, so they did. That's yep, kind of funny. But yeah, it just it really didn't. It did not do it for me. It really didn't. Yeah, and I love Les Mis, but well, I think this is it for me. I'd. I'd seen it live and then I hadn't seen anything up until the film. So it was almost like rediscovering it, but mm. it, it just wasn't the same, but I got kind of, it was just nice to have a version of the story I loved so accessible because the like concert DVDs, I remember I got one of them and I was so excited. And then it was just them standing singing and I was like, oh, it's not as fun because you've lost the staging and you've lost like the majesty of some of these moments. Mm -hmm. So this for me felt like the best other alternative to being, you know, going to London and seeing it. 
And I think it serves its its purpose well in that sense as a, you know, brings the world to people who may not be able to access it. But it there is a real dip in quality. I am for movie musicals in general because I agree with you about the accessibility of them where like if you have a movie musical, then so many more people are going to be able to see it. But this particular movie musical, I just wish they would if people saw it i don't feel like they'll love les mis as much as they should yeah yeah because just, yeah just film this show just film the show yeah like i would much rather a live yeah a live what the stuff like the stuff they're doing with hamilton or you know they're doing with come from away right now like mm-hmm. give me that i even like them standing on stage and singing because most of those people like can stand on stage and sing and i'm compelled yeah more than the movie I do think Hamilton will change a lot of things considering how successful that's been and how, you know, well received it was. I think pro shots will be will become more of the norm going forward. Considering most musicals do get filmed at some point anyway, just yeah. because for like record book keeping. Like just give us the <laughs> give us the films. We'll watch those. Yeah. So what was it then that when you saw it made it so special for you? Was there one thing, or was it more just that element of, I just want to play this character? No, I think it was more than just, I need to play Eponine. Um, like I said before, I'm like, this is so dramatic, but like, I just love to cry. Like, <laughs> or I love when a show makes me cry, I guess is better, right? Like, I like a show that can really get in touch with your emotions. I mean, it's the same thing you were saying before, like you were bawling your eyes out and you were like, I did not know theater could do this, right? So it's like that feeling of like sitting in the audience, watching this show where like, it's so human, like everything about it, there's so much in it, right? There's like unrequited love that makes you cry. There's like father-daughter love, like, there's chosen family, there's like death that makes you just weep. Like there's so much love and grief in the show that I think they portray in such a way that like really rips your heart out. Yeah. And like, I'm like, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, it's so depressing, but they do it so well (laughs) that I don't know. It just, it really gets me. It gets me. It's true. Like I admittedly do not love this musical i like it just fine you know but (laughs) having uh oh my god i can't remember any of the character names this is terrible which bit are you thinking of which sequence where valjean dies basically oh Oh, god the end and she's just come to me wedding and uh having fontaine like reappear as a ghost and eponine for some reason but like yeah which i could never get my head around I think the reason is because of Marius. That's the reason that I'll headcanon, right? She's there to be for him, not for the two of them. Yeah. yeah. But like that, I, I cry at that. Every single time I've seen it, I've cried at that. But I also cry at every death in every musical. Yeah. So Especially old people death really gets me. Like the yeah. fact that he got to live his whole life. Like yeah. that gets to me. I think you've got the double punch as well of empty chairs, empty tables, which kind of starts, you know, if you're not already crying, but it certainly starts to 
push you towards that where you're like you know where this is all going and mm. the the moment where you have the ghosts of his friend show up or in the line but yeah. not in the film not, not in the in film, film but you have this moment <laughs> where everyone starts showing up and if you're not already crying at this point you're certainly close to by the time the mm-hmm. finale starts yeah but it is you know you have that small interlude with the thanadiers as they're kind of like everything's coming up millhouse and then you have <laughs> Oh sure, um, beggars at the feast. Yeah, yeah. you have That's like that funny. moment of reprise before you then have the the full sob fest. But mm. I think, yeah, you know, you talk about the moment of comedy. This show isn't just as miserable as everyone thinks it is because there are some really lovely moments of comedy through this. There kind of has to be though. But they work. It's not just because they have to be there. They're well written and the comedic relief characters serve their purpose really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think like it is just every part of it is just perfectly timed to me. Like mm. the journey that you take, even though it is a long, long, long show, like every moment where they want you to feel something, like you're going to feel it. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that when we were saying about what would you cut for the for a junior version. There really isn't anything narratively that you could lose. No. And this is coming from someone that is like, this is a long musical, my attention span is not this long. But I don't think there is anything that you could take out. You know? No. No, and somehow they managed to add stuff to the film. I know, right? But I don't think there is anything that you cut it. It, it, If you cut bits of Eponine, you lose... Caring about her, yeah. Yeah, you lose that moment. Yeah. You you know, bits with Cosette, you... I mean, I people hate her. I don't like Cassette. I think she I honestly like, hate her too. <laughs> she, but you cut more, and anyone who does like her won't like her. You know, there's. there's I like her. I really don't like her. It's like one of the no. few characters I care about. No, I think she's so like dull. I saw a really good thing in defense of her one time that was like she's the only character who chooses to be happy all the time. And she chooses to be that light in everybody else's life. And I believe in her and <laughs> support her. <laughs> Good for her. Just, yeah. She just, I agree. She's so boring to me. But <laughs> I can, <laughs> maybe it is because I want the sorrow. And yeah. also probably because I relate so hard to Eponine, right? Like as you're like playing Eponine, you're like, Cosette sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like what? what do you even see in this person? Uh, but yeah, like she She's has the no only substance. Depressed person around him. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, oh, she's happy. That's cool. <laughs> Good for her. Why? But you yeah, could be yeah. not happy with me. <laughs> yeah, why don't you be miserable with me? Come on. But I think this. Is <laughs> she's she's not like a really dramatic role, and she's not a really yeah. funny role. She's just kind of there. She's she a MacGuffin more than song. anything else. She's a MacGuffin. Yeah, she used to have her own song. When the show was originally running, she had a solo song, yeah. and that was cut. Good, but which good she doesn't have any songs of her own. She exists purely for men to use. But her grown-up song is is my, is the weakest song on the whole soundtrack for me. Mm. So I don't but, want. I mean, like, what more. song even is that? What a heartful of love. Heartful yeah, heartful yeah. of love. And if if she's gonna sing in that style anyway, a solo song, I would probably fall asleep or drift off yeah like i mean she is 
basically the same character as the girl from Sweeney Todd, right? Yes. I was literally about to say that. I was like, oh, isn't her solo song Greenfinch and Lineberry? I was like, no, that's from another musical. That's the first one I thought of as well. <laughs> but again, we talk about like dull roles who serve only as a MacGuffin to move the plot forward. Like she is just Joanna. Yeah. You know, this whole, but the best bit is at the end of Sweeney Todd where he kills Joanna. No, no, where Joanna meets up with um, Grindelwald and he's like, you know, come on, we'll go live our lives. She goes, I don't have any dreams, only nightmares. And that's their first conversation. Oh, you haven't seen the stage show? No, I haven't seen the yeah. stage show. She dies in the stage show and it's infinitely better. Oh my God. It's always better when these characters get killed. I love it. <laughs> Imagine if Cassette died in my Moose. That's the thing. I'm like, she should have died. <laughs> no, but I feel yeah, like <laughs> I, it's not her fault. I do feel like these, there are so many female roles in theater that are so underdeveloped, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. she's so underdeveloped because nobody developed her as a character. Like, it's the writer's fault that we don't like Cosette, not Cosette's fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those roles where it's like up to the actor to give them an internal life. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Eponine, you understand where she's coming from. But Cosette's just sort of here. <laughs> she's just there, yeah. Like, I would be honestly impressed if anyone played Cosette and made me like her because I'd be like that actor is incredible (laughs) I'd be very (laughs) impressed yeah I mean Amanda Seyfried isn't going to make you like her anymore no (laughs) if you don't like her that's Mm. it you're not going to get on with her in the film version but also her her child version I don't really like either yeah I like Castle on a Cloud as a song. I think it's a sweet little number. But again, like... The issue is, and I think it was my brother that pointed this out to me because he loves Les Mis. It was his birthday present. The year the film came out, we saw the stage show and the film within a week of each other, Yeah, which was a terrible idea for the film's sake. Yeah, so you watched the stage show first. Yeah, we did. Bad, bad. (laughs) When the film came out, we were like, oh. But Madame Tenardier is too funny. Yeah either side of that song so when that song happens you're like oh madame tenardio is here she's hilarious she's this evil mean woman but also she's really funny because she plays it all out to the audience and then cassette sings and you're like mm, okay and then which amazing child actor phenomenal well done and then madame tenardio is back and you're like they're singing about how they don't actually know what her name is and like I, that's hilarious that whole yeah. sequence is so <laughs> good i agree like Cosette just keeps getting like very dull content. Like it's n- it's not her fault. It's not her fault. That's all. No, it's perhaps the weakest bit of writing is was the lamp thing, isn't it? You could yeah. replace her with a lamp, and it wouldn't be any different. <laughs> Literally, but it's it's a shame that she is so. Like I, I would say she's one of the only characters that really doesn't have the writing there for her. Mm-hmm. You know, you you emote and you you empathize with Fontaine and with Eponine and with Javert and Valjean the Ternadiers you're not really supposed to feel anything for but they're but comedic the, relief yeah but Cosette it feels like you're just missing something you should like her you should care for her you should want to see her happy but you just don't yeah maybe it's because Eponine is so well written that you're rooting for her maybe I think that definitely is the case because even in Heartful of Love, I feel like the best part is when Eponine comes in. Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> Definitely. It's the one thing that kind of stops, you know, salvages that song for me is we get a bit of Eponine. Yeah. And I'll always have a, you know, a bit of her character. I love her character. She's fantastic. There are so many. Also, like, musically, I just, like, want to talk a little bit about the show musically, about what makes it really yeah. special. Mm-hmm. Like, how it is written is, like, that these motifs come back, like, constantly right so like even though it's a long show the same music gets played over and over and over again Mm -hmm. so that when you leave the theater you remember the songs because you've literally heard them like 10 times but you're not like sick of hearing them because they're you hear them again but they're a little bit different lyrically or they're a little bit differently in where they move the story and i just think it's so brilliant it's so brilliant even when Fontaine dies, you get a little bit of heart full of love. Yep. Yeah. And it's like a weird place to put it. But then when it comes back for her daughter, it's kind of like nice. Yep. One day more, yeah. I mean, blends like all of it together, right? Because mm-hmm. the score is so unified, right? You couldn't have one day yeah. more where every person is singing something completely different, but they all make sense and they still have motifs from other songs if every song didn't sort of sound yeah. the same. And One Day More is one of the most iconic, like, musical theatre performances ever. You know, it tops lists all the time of best musical theatre song ever. It's so often duplicated in in so much media. Parodied, you know, South Park the movie has a One Day More sequence. Scrubs the musical has a One Day More sequence. Book of Mormon has a One Day More sequence. It's just... it's. is I think the quintessential musical theatre song that you hear it, and even if you've you, even if you've seen Les Mis once or twice, you hear another show try to duplicate it, and you know that that is one day more. Yeah. So we always on here ask the same three questions at the end every time we watch a show, but we also ask it of our guests as well. So obviously you've already been in Les Mis twice, you played two different characters, but if you were given the chance to play any role, regardless of gender, who would you want to play in Les Mis? Oh, this is good. I like when I first had this question, I didn't think regardless of gender. So I'm like, okay, I would definitely <laughs> play Javert. Yeah. That that role <laughs> is so role, fun. Right? Like so fun. Just like, yeah, just chasing this man all over and like singing about it. Stars, also great song. So many good songs. Yeah, and his soliloquy again at the end is just amazing. So good. (laughs) He's he's the role I would want to play if I could. But then I do love singing Eponine. (laughs) You would want to be Eponine. If I could be Eponine, I'd love to be Eponine. We'll just do our own lame is and ignore all the gender yeah just cast that'd be amazing do it (laughs) how about you drew (laughs) so one of the reasons why i'm so bitter about lame is is because the only character i can sing along with is marius right (laughs) (laughs) it's the only one i have the vocal range for (laughs) which makes me really sad but it does mean that i always sing marius so i would maybe have to play him yeah i think it'd be funny fair enough maybe i could make him likable you don't want to be cosette no no I love her, but no. You don't want to try and make everyone care for Cosette. Maybe I can make people care about her via Marius. Possibly. Through Marius's yeah. eyes, yeah. Because that's how we're supposed to care about her, right? Like for Marius and for Valjean. Yeah. 
but then I still feel like as Marius, I'd just be getting frustrated that you're not hooking up with Eponine, who, who is a far more interesting character. So the both mm. of you are playing Marius and Eponine also. So then it's yeah. like, <laughs> there you know, you there's yeah. no way we're not going to root for you. <laughs> Definitely. We'll just see lame is good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What is your best song? It's a very different, I mean, there's 49 songs, apparently. I mean, that is like probably the hardest question you could ever ask. Like, best song from Les Mis. Like, best song of any musical yeah. ever. But we've talked about it before. I feel like it's just, it's the obvious choice. One Day More is the best song. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. iconic. You got every single character in it. So I don't have to say, oh, well, if I pick Eponine's song, then I won't get to hear... Jean Valjean saying, like, One Day More, best yeah. song. Yeah, I think One Day More is the best song. And it, it is difficult, it, you know, because there's so many good songs on here that all have, like, different meanings towards me. But it is just iconic, and it's so recognisable. I will say I do really like Javert's soliloquy. Mm. I think that's so powerful and raw and like the emotion in it as is a Is that performer. where he dies? Yeah. So yeah. good. It's just, again, you could have a good version of this that makes the show and it's a version you get wrong. It feels like it would have an impact if you get this one wrong. Mm. And for me, it's just everything about it that you feel the conflict of, of him. Like this man is good, but he can't be good because otherwise what I've done is wrong and you feel everything and you get the illusion back to stars, you know, that musical motif returning. And then you also have him do the I am reaching, but I fall, which is um, one of Valjean's songs as well. So he refers back to other songs and it's such a well-written number. So if I can't have one day more, I would say Javert's soliloquy is my number one song. Love it. I'm looking at this list, right? And it's I've only just noticed that On My Own happens in Act 2. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. One Day More is... The, <laughs> Clearly I don't know. <laughs> one Day More is like the perfect end of Act 1 song. Yeah. We've got everything built up, ready to come tumbling down. Because you leave us on that note of mm. everything's going to get better from here. We're all so optimistic. And you know <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. It will never be the same after the interval. That like we build it up just to tear it down. Yep. Mm. I was just gonna say I completely forgot about "Bring Him Home," which is Jean, which is big oh. John uh, Valjean's big song, which is also gorgeous. And I just was like, oh yeah, I forgot that it song is. existed. So good. That final note it's is gorgeous. Just so many songs. It is. There is a lot of songs in this. Well, little tell people you what. doesn't exist nowadays, does it? Like no, little... it doesn't, and that's really annoying too. Yeah, because that's a good song. I knew that song before, like my mom used to sing that when we were kids, because obviously that's the version she had yeah. before they got rid of it. So I knew that song before I saw Les Mis and then saw it and was like, that song's not in this. Yeah, that's a it? shame. I love Beggars at the Feast. I think that's hilarious. Is that going to be your best song then, Beggars at the Feast? <laughs> no, I agree. One Day More is the best song from Les Mis, yeah. right? But I love Beggars at the Feast because I need that break before I can cry some more. And... <laughs> And doesn't it suck that they're the only characters that get a happy ending? Of course they do. They're horrible people. (laughs) That's how the world works. Yeah, they're good day, yeah. But then you also have things like drink with me get stuck in my head really often. 
that song is so depressing but just has a really nice melody that's like singable i don't have a best song now's the harder part though because what is your skip it song okay it's well it's actually not that hard because (laughs) i don't really like cosette's character so i i always (laughs) skip castle on a cloud like it's a fine song Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to like sit in my car singing it because I don't really. (laughs) And then probably I would say Heartful of Love, except not because I always have to listen to the end so I can sing Eponine. (laughs) But Castle on a Cloud is my skip song. Sorry. I I agree with both of those. They are just Castle on a Cloud is fine. And it's a great. It's nice to watch. It's Yeah, Mm. it's a great child song, but I'm not singing along to that one. And Heartful of Love, I just find so dull and it keeps going. It only picks up at the end when Eponine comes in, you know. So I would say if Cosette's involved, I'm not going to have the best of times. Like in my life as well, it's just kind of dull. Yes, I forgot about that one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I just think perhaps it's because her style of singing is so different to everything else in Mm. the show that there's an element of it takes me out of it because I can't sing along to it anyway. You think if she was singing slightly lower, you'd be into Yeah, it? possibly. Less opera. Because it does feel but like... She's a soprano, but yeah. But it does... <laughs> okay. But it does feel like, unlike <laughs> anyone else's songs in it, and like her songs feel the most noticeably different to this world. Yeah. Well, I she is the only soprano, right? Yeah, everyone else is an, an alto for sure. Or like tenor. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is like singing and belting and singing really strong. And then you have this like light, airy soprano that I agree just takes you out. Yeah. That's fair. I tell you what my skip it song is, because this comes on in the car. Your Spotify really thinks that I want to listen to this <laughs> song and I don't. And that is at the end of the day. Oh. Because that every time that comes on in the car, I'm like, look, this is a good song. I like how this opens us to the world, mm. but I don't want to listen to it in the car. I like at the end of the day. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> it is very fun to sing. Yeah. And it's an exposition song. Like, I like, expo- you know, songs that build the world so well. Mm. See, I have the, the added issue of. Um, Keela Settle, who was an amazing performer, who was in, she was the bearded lady in The Greatest Showman. Um, she played Madame Tenardier in yeah. one of the anniversary performances. And there's a video of her talking about how she doesn't know the words to any of the songs that aren't Madame Tenardier's songs. <laughs> and she was required to learn the rest of them. And she sings, at the end of the day, I don't know all the lyrics. So that which is the is version just... I know. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, I don't know all the lyrics. <laughs> That's fair. And that's it. (laughs) I also need to watch the 25th anniversary again. I love Keila Settle. She's so so great. And her whole like singing up the octave thing and just screaming all of her lines is my favorite thing. It's a shame that she wasn't cast in the film. Right? I love the idea of uh, the Tenardiers both being not skinny people. Yeah. Because having them be really skinny makes them look poor like everyone else having them be like fat people who clearly have enough food and get whatever they want is adds to their character it's why matt lucas is so great as well is because visually like he plays off that comedy of it but yeah i i was overjoyed when they announced 
um, Helena Bonham Carter and Sasha Baron Cohen. I like both of them as actors, but that's a big part of why I don't like the film as much as the show is because t- these are two of my favourite characters and I just don't like their depiction in the film. Mm. They feel more Sweeney Todd than Les yeah. Mis. And that's because she's in that. Yeah, to be fair, the entire Les Mis movie feels more Sweeney Todd than Les Mis. I think that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> Somebody was like, I like that film. Let's just add some of that stuff into Les Mis. And it'll yeah. Be fun. Yeah. At least it wasn't Johnny Depp as... Uh, Valjean. <laughs> or anyone. anyone. Or anyone. He was fine as the big bad wolf in Into the Woods. I quite liked mm. him there. Are there any Americans in the movie of Flamers? Is Russell Crowe American? No, he's Australian. Yeah, I don't think okay. so. Well, that's acceptable then. Oh no, Aaron Tever. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Take it back. I think you've done a phenomenal job at selling this show. Thank you. But if you could just kind of sum up, what would be your argument to somebody who had never seen like that one person who has never seen or heard lame is, how would you sell it to them? I feel like I would just say like it's the some of the best music you will ever hear in a musical ever in your life. And that it's perfectly like we've said, it's perfectly paced. It will make you feel every single feeling that you've ever felt in your life, laughter, sadness, anything in between. It has unrequited love, revenge, revolution. It has everything. That's my pitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I, I, I love this one. And I think it's one that, you know, if you're going to see it, it needs to be live. Oh, yeah. Because the film, you know, if you see the film first, it's like, you'll enjoy it but then you'll get a better experience and you'll see what it should be but if you've seen the the show don't waste your time on the film as much as i love the film they don't compare no go watch the anniversary performance yeah you'll be fine yes much better yeah i i agree with that i think that's a fair way to put it so before we sign off, obviously, we've talked about how you are one of the co-hosts of uh, Les Hangout and one of the uh, writers, did you say, of the Flame musical? Yes. Tell us, tell our audience about uh, your shows, because we're big fans uh, and we're hoping that our listeners will also become big fans. Yes, agreed. <laughs> um, well, Les Hangout is my first podcast. I've been doing it. We're in season five. I co-host with my friend Lee Holmes Foster. We talk about TV shows and movies that would be better if they were gay, which is a really fun way to dive into media. <laughs> um, you can find it anywhere where, where you find your podcasts at Les Hangout Pod. Um, and then I am one of the co-creators of The Flame, an original podcast musical, um, which we just released this year. It has an incredible cast. It is starring Jen Colella from Come From Away. Um, Chalina Kennedy, Jasmine Savoy Brown, a bunch of other really talented voiceover actors. Um, And it is the story of Jamie, who is the owner of a lesbian bar that is closing, and her struggle to not fall in love with the woman who is selling the bar. So it's a romantic comedy musical, um, entirely LGBTQ cast. And you can listen to it on the Broadway Podcast Network at bpn.fm slash the flame or anywhere else that you find your podcasts. Excellent. I love listening to the flame, just listening and, and absorbing musicals in a different way. 
and I'm a big fan and I'm hoping that, you know, if you've never listened before, go and check them out wherever you can find podcasts. You'll have a great time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been very interesting creating a musical in a podcast form format during the pandemic. Like it's the only way that we could create theater, right? <laughs> so, or yeah. there's other virtual ways, but one of the only ways we could create it. So it's been really cool to have that be our pandemic project. And I think it turned out really well. So yeah, I hope you all check it out. As always, you can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. You can find It's a Musical Podcast on all good podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section. We are on Stitcher and we are on our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like this episode, if you like what we do, head on over to podchaser.com, head on over to applepodcast.com and leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much for joining us for this month's edition of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. We will see you same bat place, same bat channel on Musical Monday for our next episode. And have a wonderful musical month. See you next week. <laughs>